Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we explore everything and anything that makes us feel good. We party through love and light, and we find the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys, period. So my guest today is a speaker and shares her survivor story all in her book called This Much I Know, The Space Between. She's here today to share her personal journey and talk about mental health issues, surviving multiple traumas, and is here to remind us that we are never too far gone. Let's give a warm welcome to Sue. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing, Tanya? I'm doing great. You know, this quarantine is uh, forcing us to stay inside, but at the same time, we're connecting with so many people and... Uh, you know, it's really giving us a time to kind of self-reflect on everything that's been going on outside and also with, within ourselves. So actually, I'm very happy to have you here today to kind of share your personal journey. Uh, I don't know if maybe you want to start, uh, let us know what you're all about, who you are. Well, thanks. And I appreciate the opportunity. I am a certified professional life coach. I'm a speaker. I'm an author, but most of all, I'm a survivor. And it took a long time to make that shift from thinking about myself as a victim to a survivor. Mm -hmm. And um, that shift has been so huge in my life, so absolutely huge. And now as a coach, I get to help people with that shift in their own mindset. Um, be it, and not necessarily always about trauma, but even with whatever their perceived obstacle is, I get to help them uh, discover it have courage to overcome it and break through it so they can see their goals become reality now. They can basically help them take their next step ahead. How I got to that point is, is, is quite a story. Um, <laughs> and you're familiar with it. So let me, yes. I'll just jump right in. Um, let me put this out there first of all to your listeners is that some of the things we're going to talk about are pretty heavy and um, I never want to trigger anybody. So if something you hear is starting to talk about something, and you need to take a step away, hit pause, engage in some self-care. When and if you're ready, come back to it. It'll be waiting for you. But mm -hmm. ultimately, take care of yourself first. Having said that, um, right out of the gate, um, when I was seven years old, I was raped by a classmate. And um, after school one day, Bobby, for lack of a better word, enticed me into the woods on the school property. And before I knew it, was raping me, and not just once. And he held me against my will for about 45 minutes. And his last words to me, he went out one end of the woods, I went out the other. And his last words were, don't tell, tell anybody. Mm. He obviously knew something happened that was wrong. I didn't know what had happened, and I didn't have the words. My emotions were frozen in time on that day. And I didn't tell anybody until 15 years later. Wow. Year of college. It became my secret. And I've learned since then how critical and how formative that age seven is. And I, and I understood actually through, through the process of writing my book, I learned a lot about myself. And I started really making the connections of how that one event just disrupted everything else in terms of how I processed things for many, many years. We can come back to that. Um, if that wasn't enough, um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. So there was some emotional abuse there. 
Um, it is very important to me, though, to let everybody know that my dad is 29 years sober. I am oh, so, Congratulations so to proud him. of him. Oh, I'm so yeah. proud of him. I'm proud to be Tom Bowles' daughter. And uh, our relationship, relationship has been restored for years. He's my biggest cheerleader, and he's, he's my friend. And I can tell my dad anything. And, and uh, I, I love my dad so much. So I, I want people to hear that very clearly. Restoration is possible. Um, so there was that. Mom and dad divorced when, after 34 years of marriage. So um, I was suicidal twice in my life. One time was junior, junior year of high school. The second time is when they were divorcing. I developed an eating disorder in college and didn't even really start dealing with that or own it as an eating disorder until 2016. So just coming up on four years in recovery. Mm. So all those things in the midst of all that, you know, it was 2014 when I finally started working through the rape with my counselor decades after it happened. And with that, because my emotions were frozen in time, and because having to deal with that and deal with eating disorder means you have to start letting yourself feel your emotions. Mm -hmm. The only way I knew to get them out at that point in time, I started dabbling with cutting. Thankfully, not bad. Thankfully, not long, because my counselor um, felt led to ask me a question one night that led me to telling her. And that, that, that got me out of it quickly. Um, she confiscated my knife, which was the best thing she could do. Um, <laughs> I had, I had, it was just a little pocket knife, but it was enough, to do, enough to, you know, to do damage. Do damage so, yeah. Yeah. So all that, you know, and, um, and, and there's, you know, there's so much more, but those are, those are probably a lot of the thumbnail stuff. Um, you know, I was, there was some spiritual abuse from a church at one point in time. So just one thing after the other, after the other. And for the longest I'm sorry, time, you said spiritual abuse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked what about a little that? bit of abuse. Um, it's it's uh, when, when people in authority in your life, in, in a spiritual setting, um, exercise that authority, knowingly or unknowingly, in a way to um, kind of, in, in a way, control you. Okay. And to um, to basically tell you how to think about certain things. Mm, okay. uh, and, and it's a fine line, and, and I kind of go into it a little bit in my book. Um, you know, but there, there, was, there was some of that that was going on. When, like, for example, um, one, of the, one of the big things was, um, you know, like, I'm a Christian, and we believe that, you know, there, there's, you know, when, there's victory in the abundance of counselors is, is a verse in the Bible. It talks mm -hmm. about if you're struggling with something, if you want input, you know, that's a helpful thing to do. And a lot of times we go to our spiritual leaders, our pastors, our elders, that kind of thing. Right. Or a small group leader or something. But in this particular setting, you know, counsel is just counsel. You know, when someone gives you input or ideas, it's up to you to ultimately pray about it and decide what's be you know, the best route to go. But in this particular organization, there was, there was an underlying attitude of, well, the pastor said to do it, and that's what I have to do. Mm. And, and so that's, that's where it got to be. You know, again, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional, but it was the attitude and the atmosphere of the organization. And right. because of that, it affected, again, some things. So you know, just so many different things. But um, I, I'm here now to tell people that there's hope. You know, there's, there's purpose, there's life. 
and it's good vibes as your as the name of your, your <laughs> podcast shows. Yeah, um, you know it. It's it, recovery and healing is not for the faint of heart, but it's possible, and I am living and walking proof. So, and I and it seems that you're you know just your story uh, is influencing so many people to come out. You know, a lot of people are are scared to talk about their experiences and as women a lot you know you the minute you share your story someone has a story that's similar uh you know same as me like you know when i was about 12 years old something did happen uh you know in sexual abuse um my friends my best friend's brother and mm -hmm. same as you i kept it in for so many years thinking that it was my fault uh, and that I must have done something to provoke it and I was threatened not to say anything uh, and uh, I didn't I never said anything um, and it, it's funny that you said it took you 15 years I totally resonate with that because you know this whole time I was like I don't want to get anybody mad I don't want I, I felt shame um, so is that something that you were kind of going through that maybe you felt like you provoked it or uh, or maybe just feeling the feeling of shame uh, of coming out and saying something? Oh, very much so. I mean, there, first of all, um, I, I'm sad for you that you had that experience. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> thankful that um, it seems like you're on the other side too. Or at least, at least moving towards that and that you're doing something about it and that you are now using your platform and your experiences to affect lives. So I'm proud of you for that. So thank you. Thank you. Because that then encourages me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think, I think anyone who's gone through that, no matter when you finally start dealing with it, I can only speak for me. But yes, I had those same feelings. The same feelings that a survivor has the day after, an hour after, a minute after an event. Mm -hmm. I had decades later. I went through the woulda, shoulda, coulda. And I woulda, shoulda, coulda all over myself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was my fault. I screwed up. I should have known better. Um, you know, what are people yeah, why think? me? You know, I mean, yeah. oh, I was hacked off at God. Oh, I was so yeah. hacked off at God. I, I was like, why did you abandon me? Where did you go? Where were you? Why? Did, why? 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 And, mm -hmm. and I was, mm, I was hacked off at God, and I had to work that through too. It's like, mm -hmm. So it, 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 it took a lot. It took a whole lot. Yeah, you feel it. And it's not any less the further removed you are. If anything, it's more magnified. Because, right. Because one thing that I yeah, mentioned earlier, I learned how much that event affected my life and it set me off on the wrong course. So the way that happened is my, my brain did not process things the way others did because of that trauma and it is a scientific fact that trauma affects how the brain is wired and mm -hmm. it can be rewired you and i are living proof but you can't do it alone so right. so yeah yeah i experienced all that um and because of that there were so many things i was telling myself and because the emotions were frozen I, what i like to say is the longer you're in the freezer the thicker the ice gets so <laughs> it took a long time mm -hmm. to believe and then live and act that it's okay to not be okay. It took a long time. Yeah. When you were writing your book and you're, you know, kind of 
pouring out your whole story in your book did you have that voice as well because it you know it's the this topic and these conversations that we're having are very tough in itself and you kind of pouring your whole life out into a book and knowing that people are gonna read it uh did you go through that as well like that inner voice and uh, are people gonna you know look at me different or even listen to me in the first place yeah yeah the, the whole book was a process um it started out it, it it's what what form it ended up being and published was not the original design it kind of morphed now this book i started this in 2014 it published in 2019 I took a year off wow. when, I, when I was dealing with all the emotions and eating disorder. I started my dietitian. I took a year off because I didn't have the mental space for it. Mm -hmm. But um, the book started as a result of some things that happened to me from a retreat I was on. And I wanted to make it like a little devotional book, like, you know, share a couple stories and kind of some, you know, a point in the story, develop it a little, and end with a, a little statement. And, and that part is still true. Um, but anyway, so um, – and, and it's called This Much I Know, The Space Between. This Much I Know, the first half is my story. And uh, because that's the one thing we all know. We all know our story and nobody can take that from us. Mm -hmm. The Space Between talks about the healing journey, going from wounded to healing and, and everything that happens in between. So I love that. I have a lot of those fears. Oh, yeah. Because at that point in time, not everybody in my family knew about Bobby. So I was about ready to put my story out there that was really kind of my fam my siblings story too not all of them knew um you know, my mom knew my dad knew um but how it came out was, was pretty cool so anyway let me read this little snippet so i'm talking about bobby and, and the whole deal and everything in so many ways i was trapped in my wounds i was permanent permanently scarred by the crap life had thrown at me any one of those things is a lot for anyone to handle but for some reason in my life, I've experienced all of them and more. Go on a little bit. And, and here's the end. It goes, this much I know. No matter what happens, God sees, God knows, and God is at work to make good come out of even unspeakable horrors. So the first half of the book ends with a little snippet like that. Um, nice. but yeah, I, I, I was nervous. I was really nervous because I was like, did I have something worth saying or was I just writing this for myself? Would anybody really listen? And the big one, would it make a difference in somebody else's life? Cause that's all it was very therapeutic for me to write this. Um, and I believe there's a bigger message behind it. I, I learned a lot about myself in the process, but I wrote it because I want others to be affected. And one person I've got a, a blog and when Simone Biles came out with her story a couple years ago, that really challenged me in the middle of the whole Me Too thing. And that gave me a lot of courage mm. to write that book. Yeah. Because then I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. And when Simone Biles, an Olympic champion, world champion, can get out there on her platform, that inspired me and challenged me. I was like, okay, I have a voice and my voice matters. Mm. So at, at that point in time, it was like, I, it became a passion. I want to get this done. I need to get this done. I'm tired of playing with this book. It needs to get out there. And um, it's, it's been so encouraging to hear some stories. Um, yeah, I've got one per, I know one person that, uh, that wrote, read it and, and, and wrote me and said, I don't know if I wanted to hit you, throw it out, 
or, or hug you. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> because what I was sharing struck a chord for her. And now she is pursuing her healing and, 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 and seeing great growth happen. And in a weird way, that's a great compliment. I don't know if I want to yeah. hit you, throw it out, or hug you, you know? <laughs> yeah, because you, I like the, you know, I read a little bit of your book, and you're very real in it. I could see you all over it. It wasn't just like a how-to book or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or that you're like, this is my story, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, and you do, and I like how you were saying, like, the space between is that gap. Uh, where you question yourself, you know, you downplay your traumatic events, you have anger, you have confusion, you have doubt, like, did it actually happen? Like, you go through all these stages. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you come out of it, and especially like you're saying during the Me Too movement, so many other people went has have their own stories. And, mm -hmm. and like you're saying, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to exactly. share those stories. We all exactly. kind of faced something similar. Um, when I, I was pregnant, I was six months pregnant and I went out with some friends and you know, they got started getting a little rowdy because they were starting drinking and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to dip out. You know, I can't yeah. drink and I, I'm over it, you know? So I left and I was walking towards to take public transit and a gang of, of guys, like about five, six guys started, you know, sexually assaulting me, like in mm. closer to an alleyway. So nobody really saw. And out of fear, I didn't move. Like I just stayed there and I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. So I can't fight back. There's six guys around me. Like I can't mm. fight back. I can't do anything. So I just kind of stayed there. And thankfully nothing crazy happened, but even that in itself is still something that I you know, kept to myself, didn't tell anybody. Cause then I was scared. Like someone would be like, Oh, well, what are you doing at night? You know, in the middle of the night, leaving pregnant, you should be home and you should be, you know, and, and there you go. But then once the me too movement came out, I put it all out on Facebook. I shared it with everyone and some people liked it. Some people didn't like it, but I said, listen, this is my story. And uh, a lot of people resonated with it and, and came out with their own stories. And that's, you know, I mean, coming out and talking about these really tough conversations is exactly what this podcast and what your book is all about is connecting with people who have been through similar situations, but who have not been able to express them. Uh, and they're going through their own kind of inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, like you were saying, it's a process. It's yeah. not, you know, okay, I talked about it. I wrote about it. Okay move on you know it's something that we, <laughs> something that we have to deal with daily throughout our lives uh things trigger it and it comes back in our mm -hmm. minds and we have to kind of work it through again yep. um and and spirituality comes a lot i know that you went to an amazing retreat that helped you get through your journey maybe if you want to elaborate a little bit on that because i love the whole uh idea of it and and what happened uh. <laughs> yeah. Now, ho hopefully the video works out. Over my shoulder, there's a phrase on the, my wall. It says, it's not going to, in the end, it's not going to matter if you have a few scars. It'll matter oh. if you didn't live. And that's a quote by Rich Mullins. Rich was a Christian musician. He was killed in a car wreck in 1997. Oh 2014, um, there was a movie put out about his life. And the movie's called Ragamuffin. Later in that summer, it was put out by his family and friends were, were involved in this whole process. 
um, later that summer, there was discussion between that group and the movie producer about doing a retreat to continue the conversation about some of the themes in the movie, about mm -hmm. reckless faith, about family relationships, about scars and masks, and, and, and you know, li living a life of reckless abandon, and, and dealing with our stuff. And uh, I went on that first retreat in 2014. That was the first time I really came out publicly, so to speak, about my story. One of the cool things about this retreat is that they opened up a Facebook group just for the people going on that retreat. And about two weeks before the retreat, we all get in there. Now, mind you, 2014, we were all total strangers. None of us knew anybody. The only thing we had in common was we saw this movie and we liked it. <laughs> and, and we resonated with the fact that we were all broken and screwed up. Uh, so, so. I, I lurked in that room for about two or three days and every staring at stories and I'm reading everybody else's story and commenting. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And suddenly one morning I was like, it's time. So I had my pot of coffee and literally set up dining table 4.30 in the morning, wrote out my story. Took about a half hour to really put it out there and did a big as I hit send. And um, all day long, and I, and I share about this much more detail about in the book because there's a bunch of other stuff going on with this but all day long I wanted I, I was waiting for that first response and all day long it didn't come it was only you are so brave thank you for sharing we're sorry that happened to you we love you we want to give you a hug from total strangers from 50 Aww. total strangers wow. that's when I knew I was finding a safe place now I was also this is when we were my counselor and I were dealing with the rape and, and I was not doing well. I was imploding. And it was everything I could do to keep it together. Mm. And um, I went to that retreat. And I told my counselor in advance when I finally decided I was going to go. Because I was supposed to be in Nashville that weekend. And I gave up Nashville to do this because I knew it was where I was supposed to be. And I said, get me ready. I said, I, I, I didn't say in that phrase. I looked and I said, I just want to be authentic. And we spent six weeks dealing with my fears. And I went there and there was something about being in that safe place with a bunch of people who I define as Jesus with skin on. And they mm. loved me. They did not judge me. They were patient. They sat with me in my pain and they didn't try to make it feel better. Wow. They, they, they just loved me. And, and I, had, I had a breakdown uh, where I kind of ugly cried. And... <laughs> You know what? Everybody, and, and I felt like I was living my, living my reactions in front of everybody because I was so open about my story. And yet, this in the middle, middle of a session at the retreat, small groups, and the speaker said, it seems like God's still working, so let's just let him work. And they just continued just what they were doing, just so that I could let God deal with me and, and start letting myself feel some emotions. I went into that retreat that first year convinced that I was the holy exception. I called myself the holy exception. Everything in the Bible was good enough for everybody but me. I was too screwed up. I was too far gone. And I just made a total mess. There was no hope. I was taking up space till I died. I left there three days later for the first time saying and starting to believe that Jesus Christ is absolutely crazy about me. And he not only loves me, he likes me. That was the first year. I have been to the retreat every year since. Our next one is oh. end of June in Indianapolis and November in Pennsylvania. 
And please come on along and see what I'm talking about. Oh, they're open, they're open for anybody. I hope um, I can travel by then. <laughs> oh, it, go, to, go to walkingstickretreats.com. Yeah, walkingstickretreats.org I think and they're also on Facebook walking stick retreats anyway um, wow. every so every month you're saying, you know you're saying ragamuffin but what is like if you would have to describe it to our listeners what, what how would you define ragamuffin a ragamuffin to me is someone who is tired of playing the games and tired of wearing the masks and has finally gotten to the point of being able to say I'm broken, I'm hurt, this is who I am, take me or leave me. And, mm. and, and we've come, we've, we're, done tired, we're, we're done playing the games. I'm, 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 I got tired a long time ago of making, trying to make somebody believe I'm somebody that I'm not. You hear the, yeah. hear the phrase, I have an image to uphold, or what are people going to think about me? What you're really saying is, I have a mask I want to wear. Yeah. And I got tired of wearing this mask. So ragamuffin is someone who says, I'm done. This is who I am, flaws, brokenness, and all. And I'm okay with that. that. Come along for the journey. That's beautiful. Yeah, can, because opening yourself up is so hard in the first place. Uh, and then, you know, really expressing, you know, uh, without any judgment. Uh, and we always think, you know, even public speaking, even just getting up in front of people like, oh, what are these people thinking of me? Oh, they're staring at me. Oh, this. And so it's nice to just say, you know, I'm broken. This is who I am. Here we go. You know, it, like so. it's okay to not be okay. It's okay not to be okay. You know, yeah. it really is. The second half of my book, the space between, talks about the healing journey that I went on through these retreats. And, and I was while the retreats, the retreats were the conduit. The people were the conduit. It was God doing the work through His kids. Mm-hmm. They just uh, they just have, have established a safe place for everybody to, to leave their masks up at the at the door and just be you, and 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 mm-hmm. that allows the Holy Spirit to work. Um, I'm just one story. There are so many of them. Um, what I love about this retreat coming up in June, a few weeks ago, there were ten new people signed up for this thing already. Which is and and and, and it was fine. Wow. Like, we don't we don't know where they're finding out about us. That's even better. You That's know, even better. Also, there. I think it's also a big. It, it's on a collective right now. Everyone is, uh, you know, so distracted by what's usually is so distracted by what's going on in this world. You know, we have our friends, family, kids, everything to take mm-hmm. care of, and we don't have that time to really think about, you know figuring out who we are, uh, you know, healing our past traumas, because we all have, you know, issues that happen in our life that we just kind of put aside. And now in this quarantine, we're, we're kind of stuck with ourselves. We're, you know, forced to stay home. It's kind of like mother nature said, you know, go to your room and think about who you are (laughs) and what you're doing to this planet. I like that. I like that. (laughs) That's good. But, uh, you know, I've noticed, and I don't know if you've also noticed this, but uh, a lot of people around me are starting to question, like, kind of letting go of that materialistic way of living, because now we don't don't have to show off so much in front of people. We're all stuck at home. We can't do our hair, nails, whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, now they're kind of saying, well, who am I? Like, why am I the way that I am? Uh, you know, and why you know where does this feeling stem from this 
negative feeling or this past issue stem from and they're, they're kind of questioning and their spirituality as well that's why I like to talk like you know we spoke about eating disorders we spoke about spirituality and then we spoke about the mind but I feel like they're all connected mind body spirit and that what makes us whole and we share it through love and compassion and empathy towards each other right right and so um I think that now people are starting to you know watch what they eat you know eat locally whatever but also they're looking within and and having that connection so they want to feel more connected to other people and so i'm not surprised that your retreat is you know getting so many more members they're 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 questioning their spirituality whether they believe in religion different type of religion whether they just believe in the universe or whatever or god or whatever they believe in um they know that now they're starting to see that the connection is not with what you're wearing or who you are on the right. outside, but it's we're all kind of going through this together and mm-hmm. and sharing this love and this fear and anxiety and whatever is going on in the world together right. as a collective. And, 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 and I fully agree. And honestly, one of the reasons I took my next step um, to become a certified professional life coach, which I am now, um, was because was because during especially during this pandemic. You know, people are having to face their stuff. They're yeah. having to come face to face with them because the same way activity was a number for me, if activity was a number for anybody else and escape, that escape has been taken away. And, and my, I feel pretty safe saying there are hundreds of thousands of people who were having to face themselves in the mirror and they're thinking, I don't know if I like me. Mm-hmm. I'm more angry with my kids than I thought I'd be. Why am I so impatient? You know, um, I don't like the way I speak to people and, and those kind of things. And, and, and I wanted to be there and help them through that mm-hmm. because, it, yeah, there's different stuff inside, but it doesn't have to derail us and it doesn't have to get in the way of people meeting, meeting and reaching for their goals. Right. And, and, and you can still, you can do, you can both and. You can be hurting and have issues and still reach forward while you're working on those issues. And that, that's, that's why I'm excited to be a life coach. I get to help that happen for people. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to read this quote that I saw on your website. I just thought it was so, so interesting. And uh, I really resonated with it. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, uh, it kind of, ties into everything that you've been doing and all this help that you're this therapy that you're doing on yourself but you're also helping other people so i just want to read it because i just think it's so awesome um let me get it okay for the longest time i used to scratch my head and be angry that god would let all that crap and more come into my life now i realize it's a huge responsibility and i'm not saying i am responsible for what others have done to me I am saying now that I am responsible for what I do with it and how I let God use it. And that is what makes a story powerful. Mm. I just think that's so, so beautiful because you're taking, you know, all the pain and the trauma and the issues that you've been through. um, And that you, you know, you're kind of saying, I'm not responsible for what other people have done to me, but I'm using my story to kind of, and and working through God and you know trying to help other people right and so that's beautiful 
Well, I appreciate that. That's the first time I've had that read back to me. It really, it struck me. I was like, oh, wow, I wrote that? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, but, and I don't want to laugh and take away from it. I, I think I, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad it resonated with you because that's my heart. I take very seriously that I now have a responsibility to share my story. God has done a very huge, huge work in my life. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with Christ is number one in my life. So I come from that frame of mind in anything I do. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't say I owe it to him. I owe it to others to share the story. Yeah. Because there's somebody else out there that needs, that, that, that unfortunately is in the same boat I was in. I want to be just one example of living hope to them. Just one. Because mm -hmm. like you said at the start, the more we talk about it, the more the stigma breaks. Right. We've got to break this stigma. It is yeah. not your fault what somebody else chose to do. You survived. You lived through it. And mm -hmm. that is to be applauded and celebrated because you have worth and you have value and you have a purpose on this world. Mm. And don't let anybody take that from you. I know that's easier said than done. I have lived through that. And I'm still living through it now, but I take it very seriously that because God has brought me to this point, it's now my turn to reach back. Mm -hmm. My website is mystepahead.com. And the whole premise of that is that you only have to be a step ahead to help the person behind you. I am a step or two down the road in my journey. It is now my responsibility to reach back to the person who's a step or two behind me. Maybe you're just reaching out. Maybe you're just starting to come to grips with the horror of something in your, in your, in your story. Mm -hmm. Maybe something just happened to you an hour ago and you're seeing this. Whatever it is, I'm reaching out my hand to you to say, take it and I will help you walk your next step. At the same time, I'm reaching out to people who are further ahead of me and saying, take my hand and show me my next step. Mm. And it's a human chain. That's what it should become. Sue, thank you so, so much for sharing your time and, and your life story with us. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners who tuned in. Uh, for more information on Sue's book and where to connect with her, please check the description below. If you want to see or hear more good vibes, please subscribe or like uh, or share this podcast with a friend. Always love to hear your reviews, so please let me know what you think by leaving a comment and blessings and good vibes to all you beautiful people. <laughs>